Do you have a ghost howling in your house? Do you have a werewolf stalking you at night? Do you have a vampire in your attic? Is Bigfoot walking beside you in the forest? Do you have cryptids and paranormal events and encounters in your life that you can't explain? Do you need explanations into the unknown? Well, I have a solution for your problems. The Foggy Jack Paranormal Research Foundation. For more information, please visit www.foggyjackparanormal.weebly.com. And remember, the thing stalking you at night may want to kill you. Hello everybody and welcome to the premiere episode of the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. To start off this premiere episode, I'd like to thank everyone who has reached out to join this collective podcast. Thank you to everyone from around the world who has decided to join the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to Halloween, the paranormal, and everyone who makes up this community. Without you guys, this community and this podcast would not exist. So once again, thank you for everyone who has joined this podcast, and welcome to the Pumpkin Patch. Now everyone, please enjoy the premiere episode of the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. You're listening to the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast. Here at the Foggy Jack Live Podcast, we support Haunters Against Hate because hate is the scariest thing of all. A simple statement has evolved into a nonprofit organization that gives haunters a voice to express themselves and the challenges they are facing in life and in the haunt community. For more information, please visit www.hauntersagainsthate.com. This episode of the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast is brought to you in part by the Foggy Jack Live Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted. I'm Dr. Dreadful, and this is my zombie lab. Makes lots of gross things, like zombie brains. <laughs> then you eat them. Mommy, no! <laughs> Makes swarms of gooey bugs. Tasty. Make some magic liquid and zombie barf! Yum! <laughs> Dr. Dreadful Zombie Lab makes over 40 experiments that can be both sold separately from your magic. <laughs> Mr. He! Zombie Boy! <laughs> It's been a while since I've seen you And you look good, finally at peace 
I hope you found the happiness you were searching for. Whatever you couldn't find in me, but you never came out to your family. You ever tell them about me? But you never told a single soul how we used to slow dance in nothing but the shower steam. And I'm in love. I'm in love with the zombie boy. With the zombie boy. The second it was late, he'd catch the gate while sneaking out 'cause it didn't make a sound, and I'd be parked out front. He'd hop in my car. We just drive all over town, 'cause it was the only way he'd be seen with me when nobody else was around. I'm in love. I'm in love with the zombie boy. The zombie boy. He ate my heart. He ate my heart. He ate my brain. He ate my virginity. Then things would never be the same. 'Cause he was the monster in my bed and in my head. He was the one that I wanted. Too bad that boy is dead. I'm in love. I'm in love with the zombie. Frankenstein mixed and matched. I'd still call him mine. He could turn into Dracula, and I'd let him suck out all my love. He could decay into a mummy. I'd let him wrap his arms around me. He could morph into a werewolf when the full moonlight touches him. Yeah, even then he could have my body. No, he could tear apart each piece of me. And I still keep calling out to you, like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetle. Like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetle. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetle. Everybody, I'm in love, and I'm in love. This prank is difficult, and I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. All right, that's enough. Stop. Look at you. You're still dapper as a cadaver, and you don't look. You'll never be a day over 23. I hope you found the happiness you were searching for in that girl who's having your baby. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love with a zombie. This is me. Here at the Foggy Jack Live Podcast and the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, we are proud to support our friends. 
and our family in the LGBTQIA community, and you are always welcome and safe here. good of you to join me. I am Horror Diva, owner and writer for the Simply Horror blog, so I am thrilled that we get to share this time together outside of writing. Uh, what we're going to discuss today is the franchise, something that polarizes the community as much as it draws it together. We all have our favorite franchise, be it Dracula, Frankenstein, the Saw franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, you name it, there's probably a franchise out there for it. Some of them have been really, really successful. Some of them probably should have stopped a long time ago. But there are a few that were able to redeem themselves. It is a rarity, but there are a few out there. So we're just going to hop right into it. Hopefully we'll see if you guys agree with me. If not, feel free to let me know. One of the first ones that I think of as being able to redeem themselves would be the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. In the original 1984 movie, Freddy Krueger has about seven minutes at most of screen time. But in that time, he manages to solidify himself as one of the most terrifying horror villains in like all of film history. Sadly, as the series progressed, that kind of changed a little bit. He kind of became a bit of a more mockery. But 1984's original and then 94's New Nightmare were the only two films that Wes Craven actually directed. So every other film was directed by someone else, as well as every other screenplay. So what this led to was different variations of the same character, and he kind of became more and more of a caricature of himself. And they were able to bring themselves around full circle in 1994's New Nightmare because they brought him back to being scary. There wasn't as many wisecracks. There wasn't as many jokes. He wasn't seen as quite as much of the wisecracking character in New Nightmare. They really kind of got back to the roots of the character, which I absolutely loved. Now, that's not taking into consideration the 2010 remake with Jackie Earl Haley, because that just didn't do it for me. But one thing that really helps the franchise is from 84 up until 94 and into, obviously, Freddy vs. Jason, you had the same actor playing Freddy Krueger, which made the face identifiable, it made the voice identifiable, and I think that really helps. Now, to move on to another franchise that was able to in a sense, redeem itself would be Halloween. It's probably one of the oldest ones I'm going to talk about because the first film was released in 1978. Some of the later storylines really, really kind of got out there. My personal favorites are 1, 2, 4, and 5 because they really make Michael this really scary character. Obviously, 3 is the only franchise where Michael is not the main villain. So there's a lot of people that are like, well, Halloween 3 didn't happen. But it was actually building on 
the cult that would play roles later on in the franchise, the cult of Samhain. And when you put that together and you understand that, it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. Uh, there's many people that kind of wrinkle their nose at H2O or Resurrection. I personally think they did a great job about rounding out the story and bringing to light different facets that were hinted throughout the series itself. The character of Michael Myers, though, he has literally been played by 12 different actors in 42 years. So you have people like Taylor Maine, Brad Laurie, and Tony Morin. And what this does is this leads to the character being different heights throughout the franchise, as well as having different bodily movements, because not everybody moves the exact same all the time. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, because you never really see Michael's face except for two different occasions, which I will let you run through the franchise to find those little Easter eggs. But there are reasons as to why it's speculated that you never see Michael's face. One of the most popular reasons is the fact that because you don't see his face, you don't really get to read his facial expressions or his emotions, which therefore makes it a lot more menacing, a lot more threatening. Now, Rob Zombie, in his 2007 film, kind of builds a little bit more on why he wears the mask when it's never really discussed in the original franchise. Now, it's not officially part of the franchise, but it's definitely worth a look-see if you're a fan and see if you kind of agree with what Rob came up with as an idea as to why Michael was so much more comfortable wearing the mask. Now we're gonna move on to a franchise to me that has just become a parody of itself. And that would be the Child's Play franchise. This had so much potential to be multi-generational nightmare fuel. I mean, really, what is more terrifying than a possessed child's toy? One of the most terrifying things to me about the first film was the target for the doll was a little kid. And the kid wasn't much younger than I was when the movie came out. So that was really, really scary. But as the series progressed, to me, it kind of became stale. And then adding characters like Tiffany and the Seed of Chucky, it just added to the insanity. He kind of went from being this stuff of nightmares, the killer doll that looks innocent and that you'd never suspect, to this really scarred up, beaten up caricature of the idea of what the character was supposed to be. And then, you know, you add in the stories with Tiffany and the Seed of Chucky, and it went from being mildly believable to so just completely outlandish and disappointing. This was a new take on the killer doll idea that had been around for ages. But this time, unlike those dolls being possessed by demons or aliens, this was the soul of a serial killer who was literally just looking for a new host so that he didn't have to be in the doll anymore. I can honestly say I haven't seen the remake yet. I'm kind of on the fence as to whether I want to or not. I've heard good things, I've heard bad things, but I'm not sure that it will ever be as terrifying as it was in 1988 when all the kids that had My Buddy dolls decided it was better if they slept in the closet. Uh, one series to me that has always kind of stayed true to itself, or at least the terrifying quality of the primary villain has been the Hellraiser series. Pinhead has always been the stuff of nightmares, the creature that is the pinnacle of one that really isn't good or evil, 
they're more a neutral set of beings that reacts to everybody's thoughts and desires and their excesses. The character Pinhead himself, like every other character, has a backstory. I think they kind of give a little bit more time to his backstory, as it's actually mentioned in a couple of movies. So there are some inconsistencies as to how or why he got the lament configuration, but one thing always remains the same. And that's the end result. That terrifying face filled with pins that you can't get out of your head after you see it. As well as the voice that is just so unnerving and terrifying. Part of this could be lent to like Nightmare. You're able to see the actor that plays the role and that does help when it comes to recognition. Doug Bradley plays Top Shelf. He has this presence that is just creepy. No offense to Doug, he is one of my favorite horror movie actors, but Pinhead, completely an unnerving character. While he's not the most outlandish looking of all of the Cenobites, he is the most frightening. So one of the last franchises I'm gonna specifically focus on is the franchise that made an entire generation not wanna to go to summer camp. That of course is the Friday the 13th franchise. This is one of those franchises that just could not seem to figure out what it wants to do with itself. The first two go pretty well hand in hand. After that, it just kind of turns into this multitude of just completely different directions. From taking over Manhattan, to going to space, taking on Freddy Krueger, and pretty much everything in between. The Friday the 13th franchise is really just kind of a mishmash of ideas. Don't get me wrong, I love Jason, and I love the story. I just think at times they kind of should have stopped after number two, or continued in the direction they were going with number two. We've had psychics, unexplained resurrections, souls jumping bodies, characters that have come in that they're there for a movie, you have no idea what they're doing. So it kind of went a little crazy. The character himself is just a nightmare. He's, you know, this hulking brute with a hockey mask with his machete. However, he's not limited to that machete. He has come up with some crazy ways to kill people when the machete isn't at hand. We've had spear guns, axes, his bare hands, arrows to the throat. This is a character that really believes in letting his creativity flow. I would say probably only second to Freddy Krueger. Now, getting down to the nuts and bolts, there have been 11 different actors that have donned the hockey mask, which leads to the same problem we had with Michael. Different body sizes, different types, different movements, but it doesn't necessarily pull you away from the character or the plot, it's just sometimes it seems really noticeable. There are multiple franchises out there. Some of them have been turning out great movies for years. Some, like I said before, should have stopped a long time ago. Some franchises are getting new life breathed into them with the advent of the retelling of their stories. Rob Zombie did this fairly successfully with his retelling of Halloween. However, in my humble opinion, the remakes of Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, they just kind of fell flat. And there's new franchises that are taking the world by storm for whatever reason all the time. There's the Sharknado franchise, which is absolutely insane. I've seen a couple of them and they are pretty nuts. And then there's more serious franchises like the Saw franchise, which is a personal favorite of mine. I have loved that series from moment one. I have seen them all. I love the traps, I love the deeper story that's part of that franchise. 
as well as the fact that the villain is not supernatural. You have real people that are doing these things in these movies. It is not a demon, it's not a ghost, it's not a possessed spirit. It is literally a human being, and it's a great character study to me of what human beings are capable of doing to each other. So I won't go into too much of the story because clearly that's one I think you should check out on your own. And as I said in the beginning, everybody has their favorite franchise. Everybody has that villain, that franchise, that they will defend through everything. I have people very close to me that love the Friday the 13th franchise. They will constantly defend all the craziness, like him going to Manhattan, him going out to space, as that it was just the natural progression of the franchise. I tend to disagree, but that's just me. And I know there's some other great franchises out there, like the Pumpkinhead franchise. I'm not even remotely disrespecting them, but of the franchises that I kind of picked to talk about, they were ones that are well known to most people, even if you're not a horror fan. I mean, most people recognize Freddy Krueger or some facet of Nightmare on Elm Street without having to be a horror fan. The same can be said for Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. A lot of people who don't know horror may mix them up, as I've noticed, but they're still identifiable. In the case of Hellraiser, sometimes it's Pinhead, but it's almost just as often the Lament Configuration, which is the box. People recognize it. They may not know where they've seen it from, but they recognize it. Child's Play, that's coming into more recognizable status because obviously there's recently been a remake. Uh, while Brad Dorif played the original voice of Chucky, now we have Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill playing the character, which brings a whole new group of people in who enjoy Mark Hamill's work as a voice actor. So that may bring people to just this movie. It may let them go back and want to investigate the source material. It's kind of a catch-22 with that, just because of the different directions that that particular franchise takes. So, all in all, like I said, we all have our favorite franchises, we all have our favorite villains. Freddy vs. Jason was kind of a dream come true for a lot of horror fans because it gave us the chance to see two of our big, bad, favorite franchise villains go head-to-head. -head. And we've done it for years. Most people will sit around a table and go, who would win? Freddy vs. Jason, Michael vs. Pinhead, Pinhead vs. Freddy. And so to actually get to see that on film was actually really cool. I'm hoping that it wasn't a one and done, that there will be something that happens in the future with some of the other franchises, though they are a bit difficult because some of them are location locked, so to speak. You have Jason who primarily stays within Camp Crystal Lake. You have Michael who stays within the confines of Haddonfield. Freddy is a bit more open because he stays in the confines of Elm Street, and as he has so eloquently put it before, every town has an Elm Street. So really one of the only characters in the four that I've mentioned that has that opportunity to go wherever, whenever, would be Pinhead. And I'll admit, I would kind of like to see everyone's favorite dream demon go up against a creature of excess and see just what kind of craziness they could come up with. Both 
of the characters having creative ways to bring about the demise of those people thereafter. While Freddy isn't necessarily after souls, Pinhead is, so who knows how that would play out. Um, another interesting pairing for me personally would be because i'm a huge fan of the puppet master franchise is seeing the puppet master puppets go up against chucky and part of the reason they weren't really on this particular discussion is because the puppet master puppets kind of deserve their own with everything that goes on with them but it would be interesting to see how chucky would do against a group of other dolls so who knows what the future will hold uh i'm looking forward to seeing what new franchises will come down the pipe uh what they'll do with some of our current favorite franchises so until next time please join me on the simply horror blog site we have a facebook page we have a facebook group i'm always open to people sending me suggestions as to what they'd like to see hear or read so until next time stay scary bye candidacy for president. Is vote for the Crypt Keeper Fiends, cause you know that my tales will deliver. It's murder, it's madness, it's fun. Why die a slow death when you can run? Three cheers for the wretch, black and blue. Oh, you know how my tales make you shiver. Backstabbing, grabbing delight. It's vindictive, so addictive, thousand points of fright. Premier Saturday night at 10.30 on HBO. The Eighth Deadly Sin Chapter 1, Part 1 Love Bites By Siasta Cube Copyright 2021 Siasta Cube Smashwords Edition Leaning back in his leather chair, crime boss Carpo Bastone Santidanelli took a sip from the glass of liquor in his hand. Staring through the large plate glass window that took up the entire wall behind his desk he gazed at the afternoon sky. Distracted with the matters at hand he found himself watching time pass without really seeing it. With his attention turned inward he listened to his lieutenant read off the status of his latest scheme. Everything and everyone were finally in place but he wasn't ready to give the word yet though. There was one loose end keeping him from putting the plan into motion an unknown he didn't dare try to win to his side. A trump card he wasn't holding so it had to be eliminated. Soon that one potential hiccup would be taken care of. The last phone call he received informed him the help he requested would be arriving soon. However the welcome news also came with some unusual instructions. No one except him and his two aides were allowed to be present while the appointed meeting was taking place. He had even been told if there was the slightest hint the requirement had not been met the aid would be revoked. The short phone conversation had left him feeling like he had been talked down to. It was an attitude which always triggered his quick temper leaving him flushed, tense and seeking violent retribution. This time though he was more than willing to oblige because the odd demand worked to his benefit. 
not that he could or would have said no anyways. Doing that meant his request would be instantly denied giving the one unsettled detail a chance to ruin everything. It was all or nothing with everything to lose if things didn't go how he wanted. A few minutes later a light knock on the office door alerted him that the asked for aid had arrived. Amused that it would get here almost immediately after the report was finished he smiled to himself when he heard the door open. One of the hinges complained and he made a note to have it looked at when this was over. Dana Lee's smile slipped into a frown when he heard footsteps coming closer as the door shut behind them. Carpo Cardoza's lapse in protocol irked him more than a little. Not introducing whoever was visiting was a show of disrespect to him and the guest. He added to the previous mental memo to make sure the door hinge stayed silent and to remind Cardoza what noises to make and when. Again raising the glass of alcohol to his lips he swung his chair around. Taking a large drink he started to swallow it when he got his first look at what was standing calmly on the other side of his mahogany desk. The shock of the surprise brought him to a complete halt. Staring in utter disbelief he couldn't move or breathe. He couldn't even finish swallowing and the potent liquid held in suspension began to burn. With an effort he finally forced the drink down and breathed out slowly so as not to end up hacking and coughing. Glancing behind the stranger Danelli saw his other lieutenant Carpo Targamo staring wide-eyed with his mouth hanging completely open. The crime boss now understood why Cardoza hadn't introduced his guest. Anyone coming face to face with the hard golden eyes staring at him over a white-furred muzzle would have trouble maintaining their composure. Best recovery I have seen yet, the thing congratulated him. What unnerved the stunned crime boss even more was the intermittent flash of large pointed teeth set on top of blood-red gums as it spoke. It made sense for them to be there but seeing that small bit of logic be a part of an unnatural whole only made everything more surreal. After finally being able to regain his composure Danelli greeted the creature in the brusque manner he was known for. So you're the furball everyone whispers about? You're like what, a literal representation of that wolf character out of that pulp fiction movie? He'd learned early on keeping people on the defensive gave him an advantage over them. Using it for as long as he had it was now a deeply ingrained habit. Relying on that old habit also allowed him to bring up the anger he had. Deep yellow eyes encircled by charcoal black first aired coldly out from under a black fedora and the lips split into a lupine sneer of an amused smile. Ain't the first time the ref's been made. The smooth tone of voice only added to the menace coming from the wolf's muzzle. Even been speculated that those rumors influenced that character's name. Something about the way it spoke alarmed Danelli which only angered him more. There was an arrogant nonchalance, an attitude of superiority. It made the crime boss feel small and weak. Two of many emotions he hid beneath a display of heated indignation. Why are you talking like that and what's with that get-up you're wearing? Pinstripe, double-breasted suit? It's been more than a few years since the twenties, you know that right? You're even wearing the hat and shoes too. Comforted by his anger Danelli scowled menacingly thinking he had begun to regain control of the situation. This time however he found out what it was like to be on the receiving end of his usual intimidation tactic. 
with a slight tilt of the head and a bored look of surprise the newcomer dispelled the fallacy. I was asked to get your fat ass out a troubled day Nelly. No skin from my nose if it don't get done. The sneer started to work its way into a feral snarl of a smile. Seems to me I got no recourse. Deal with your own shit and explain to my benefactor, your boss I add, why I walked or owe a favor later on. Rock and a hard place ya fat shit bitch. The calm in which the words were spoken sent chills down Danelli's spine damping the rising ire of the overweight underboss with a wintry shiver. No one spoke to him that way and doing so always meant death. But this walking wolf did so with deadly ease as if it knew it could get away with it no matter what. Like the other underbosses Danelli knew this living rumor had no rank in the organization. Another small but vital detail he disregarded because he didn't believe the gossip reminded him this thing was held in high regard despite that. It's his team was higher than even Consiglia Fidusa the trusted confidant and advisor of the Carpo Famiglia, Don Aglietti. A freelancer whose only loyalty was to the job he was being paid to do and to the Don himself. Rumors also spoke of how some of those problems it solved were by removing the person who was having the difficulty in the first place. Those same rumors also said none of the problem solving could be linked to this fantasy figure that shouldn't exist. Santi had turned his nose up at those rumors as well. Now that he was face to face with the myth turned reality he had no trouble believing the stories. Private meetings with Futino witnesses meant the werewolf could do as he felt best. Especially with a layer of fur covering fingerprints he probably didn't even have. Any fur left behind could easily be cleaned up if that fur even needed to be taken into consideration. Danelli began to feel a cold sweat begin to form from the fear instilled in him. It made him more and more uncomfortable which in turn made him feel more and more irritated. Is it true you do work for anyone, in any family? Thinking that was a safe enough question Danelli hoped it wouldn't be his last. The savage smile eased into something which looked more genuine. Nah, not just anyone. I'm only called when someone like you has a... Waving a hand negligently the wolf thought for a second before resuming. Let's call it a tumor that needs cutting out. In-house work only. Tarkeen contracts for hits from other families means I might hurt my own. Ain't no way I'm hurting the pack as it were. And if I won't dirty my own doorstep it ain't fair to clutter in others. Relieved Tahir being part of the family offered him some protection the mob boss began to relax a little. His plan depended on the hitman not suspecting anything until it was too late. Despite it not being an actual man he figured as long as no suspicions were raised he had nothing to worry about. But doesn't helping the other families mean you might be making a problem for us too? If their problems solved they might interfere with something of ours. You'd think it might but when I do work it puts them in our debt. Their problems solved, the family and I make money and we get to tell them to back off if needed. The monster chuffed jovially. A win-win with a win for us owed. That's damn clever. Danelli hesitated not knowing how to address his temporary associate. So do I call you Sin, Sinister or Mr. Kerr? Did he come to you where you called in? Reaching into the inner pocket of his suit the beast pulled out a card and offered it to Danelli. 
Stumped by the accuracy of the question Dana Lee paused before taking the card. How do you know he didn't call me or something? Cause he don't let just anyone know I exist and if he does it ain't ever in a way it can be used against him. Seeing the underboss was about to ask another question the mythical creature grimaced and held up a white furred hand to stop him. Look, been through this many times already. Rumors are emailed, texted, phoned and whatever else. They also make use of words like I heard or it was found out and several other such combos. It's all whispers and shit chat. Ain't no hard proof I exist and if anyone tries to make any they get what's coming to them as soon as it's found it exists. The yellow eyes narrowed into glowing slits aimed directly at the mob boss. So if you taped a conversation such as the one you had with Don Aglietti or maybe recording what we're saying right now or got a camera rolling I suggest you dispose of it. Cause it ain't nothing but a black mark of your own making. And anything you talk about concerning me better be rumor to your dig. I'm Stephanie Myers. I'm Stephanie Benya. This is Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. We're excited that you're here to join us on our storytelling journey where we talk about music that is featured prominently throughout the course of our 20-year friendship. It's our soundtrack and probably yours too. From hair metal to new wave to even classic country, we have stories to tell. These are the songs you want to forget but love to remember. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, and Overcast. First episode drops on April 21st. Be sure to follow us on the socials. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Stephanie's Talk Tunes. That is Stephanie's plural, Stephanie's Talk Tunes. No VIP passes required. All music junkies admitted. <clears throat> Mr. He, the bride pictured myself as a monster until I imagined having a bride. And I know that even if I truly loved her, I'd still feel like I was living a lie. Cause I know what it's like to have no one believe in you. And I know what it's like to have to fight for your
Watch me as I fall asleep You'd haunt me in my dreams If it goes to my sheets and my sheets Jack live podcast and I just want to let you know that you are not alone. If you are struggling, if you are thinking about hurting yourself or if you know someone who is, please extend an arm, extend a hand, give them this number or you can call this number as well. 800-273-8255. It's 800-273-8255. You are more important than you know. You are more loved than you know. You are needed. When you watch horror movies in summer, do you cry out of angst for the Halloween season? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what happens behind dark, spiderweb-encrusted curtains of a haunted house? <laughs> well, boy, oh boy, do I have a solution to all of your aching problems. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Where the Haunters Meet the Haunted. Each week on the show, you'll learn behind-the-scenes info of the haunt industry, the talk of the paranormal and cryptid industry. We also talk about horror movies, Halloween, and so much more. So please join us each week for this creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky Foggy Jack live podcast. And we'll catch you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. The Foggy Jack live podcast is found anywhere podcasts are sold, distributed, or streamed. Please follow us on all our social media accounts at foggyjack13. Please note this podcast is not responsible for explosive diarrhea, vomiting, erectile dysfunction, heartworms, or major migraines as a result of listening to the show.